Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Russell Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Brad and Barry Russell, where we, along with our guests, will explore what it looks like to live the adventure in all aspects of life. As we follow Jesus in our roles as men, husbands, fathers, outdoorsmen, and businessmen, join us on the adventure. Well, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Russell Brothers Live the Adventure podcast with your host, Brad Russell. And I'm Barry Russell. And we are here today with a good friend from the great state of Texas, <laughs> Bo Mills. Uh, Bo Mills was a professional baseball player to a bucking bull raiser, rancher, I don't know what we call that, and now uh, living the life as a pastor. So, Bo, welcome to the podcast. Man, it's an honor to be here, and I'm stoked to talk with you guys. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you. And we kind of met up here in Orlando uh, today. So Bo and yeah. his wife and some of their team are here in Orlando. Barry and I are in Orlando. So uh, really took advantage of this opportunity. So good to have you here, Bo. Yeah, it's awesome to have you in the great state of Florida uh, today, <laughs> Bo. Thanks for joining us. Hey, tell us before we dive in, tell us just about your life, marriage, kids, where you are right now. Yeah, so we're there in Granbury, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth. Uh, my wife, Alicia, we've been married 15 years this year. Uh, and our four kids, we got Kinsey, who is 12, uh, my son, James, who just turned 10 and my son Hudson, who's going to turn eight this week. And then we have a, a little boy, Bo Bear, uh, who's two. Okay. Absolutely, man. It's so good to hear a little bit about Bo's story. We had the privilege, Barry and I had the privilege the past few years, two to three years now, somewhere around mm-hmm. that of, uh, of getting to meet Bo and his family and, and kind of see his life. Uh, that he's living now in Texas and and see this this journey he's been on. And so we're excited to hear uh, from him today. I know each of you who are listening are going to be excited to hear uh, Bo's story and the adventure, the adventure of following Jesus uh, as an athlete, as a rancher, but even more importantly, as as a husband and as a father uh, and now as a pastor. Mm. So pretty incredible. Bo, but something that really intriguing and and coming from, um, you know, two brothers like Barry and myself who, who grew up playing sports, playing baseball, when we first met you and, and heard your story. And, and, and one of the first time, I think the first time I met you, I, I met you and your, your dad mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. And yeah. so uh, what, what was so fascinating to us, you know, and I'm sure maybe it just seems, seems normal to you, but to, uh, to us pretty fascinating was that you actually grew up the son of a professional baseball player and coach. That's right. Uh, yeah. Your dad spent time in, in, in baseball. 43 years. Yeah. Wow. 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 43 I, years. Tell I, us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is called an, the adventure podcast and with every adventure, there's a beginning, a middle mm-hmm. and typically an end. And the beginning for me of that adventure was born and raised into a father who just blew out his knee. He was playing in the big leagues uh, for the Montreal Expos, who are now the right. Washington Nationals. That's right. Uh, so he was limping down the hall when I was born. So I was thrusted right in from there. He went to be a minor league uh, baseball coach and work his way up from there. So I was born and raised. Literally, I tell people I'd fall asleep on the grounds crew's lap as they were dragging the baseball field wow. at night wow. uh, on a baseball field. And so that's just what I knew. And um, I was born into uh, from a father who's just dedicated and was really good. Like God blessed him to be doing what he was doing. Uh, I was really good at his craft. Um, And so I just got to witness that and and go through that. Um, We we, we grew up in a double wide trailer on my grandparents' property. Not a lot of people know that. They (laughs) uh, They see the big league side of the Mills family heritage. 
uh, and they don't understand the roots that right. I was born into sure. and, and the dedication sure. my father had uh, to us as a family to provide for us, yeah. but also to his craft to go through all that to make it to where he got. Incredible, right? Yeah, yes. it was incredible. Yeah, we were talking about that offline just a little bit ago that, yeah. you know, so it's so easy to see success and think, man, how lucky they are. Yeah. And uh, totally turn, you know, a blind eye to like the journey that got them there. Yeah. And so yeah. just hearing you talk about your dad and the, his his journey through baseball and and, and your family was pretty incredible. How many siblings do you right. have? Right. So I got two older sisters, okay. Rochelle and Taylor. So I'm the only boy in the family. So as a boy, getting to see a man uh, work that hard, even though it was hard as a family, because my dad was gone nine months out of the year, mm, every wow. year of my life growing up. Wow. Uh, but to see him dedicated to us as a family and do it for us and sacrifice for us, like I said, living in that double wide, he never bought a car for himself. He sacrificed that for the family to have money wow. for the family. He'd come back, he'd substitute teach, he would flip burgers, he did mail, uh, like delivered the mail yeah. in the off season to get us by. Wow. And so you just, as a, as a boy growing up in that scene, a dad dedicated mm. uh, to providing for his family, but also uh, striving to make it and be successful in the passion that he has, which was baseball and do anything he could to get there. And then finally did and got to uh, succeed in it for 28 yeah. years in the big leagues. The big league level uh, was just incredible wow. to watch. Yeah, you know, that's incredible. When, I, when we got to meet Coach Mills, Brad, at that ranch, you know, you always heard you can take uh, the boy out of the trailer park. You mm. can't take the trailer park out of the boy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, I remember like with the big eyes looking at him saying, you got World Series rings? Mm. And he simply said, oh, you want to see the rings? <laughs> he walks off comes back and it was like a I, I want to say a sock mm -hmm. but I think it's like a little soft bag it was a little soft zip zip bag yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> real into his bags and it's got all the rings in there that's right yeah. and he just one by one mm -hmm. handed them out and we um, actually we have to put them on I got Barry a picture and I, I'll Barry post and I picture. put the World yeah. Series rings on that day yeah. and, and, and his name is Brad his name yeah. is Brad he's, yeah. uh, he's, he's his name awesome is dude. actually James Bradley Mills but nobody knows him as James he okay. is known okay. as Brad Mills well, Coach Mills, I know you're yep. going to listen to this podcast uh, because uh, we invited your son on here. So we appreciate you <laughs> That's right. listening and uh, really grateful for you and, and the yep. impact that you've had on Bo and so many people. Bo, we were talking about, you know, just the impact and the really the blessing, right? Mm -hmm. The blessing of growing up with a with an earthly father mm -hmm. uh, that set such an incredible example. Barry mm -hmm. and I uh, are fortunate with that as well. Our dad you know, uh, left this earth at a young age, 49 years old, but, mm. um, but we, we were both college age, uh, when our dad, uh, passed and, uh, but we, we had that example too. different yeah. story, but grew mm. up the son of a sure. block Mason, you know, mm, so yeah. our dad was a block Mason and worked hard and hard worker and, and uh, did everything for our family. And we, we too lived in a, in a trailer at a season. So <laughs> we, awesome. we know all about that and, uh, and just grateful for that, you know, and I just mm -hmm. challenge, you know, one of the things I, you know, the first day I met you a few years ago when hanging out there at the at the ranch with you yeah. and your, your dad was there was just such an obvious connection between right. you two. You know? Yeah. So he uh, so I'll tell this story real fast. He was the father. Uh, he worked hard at his craft, but he worked hard at being a father to us, too, and a godly father. And yeah. so one time in high school, I got in trouble on campus, uh, pretty bad trouble. And uh, my discipline was to have by him was to have a 6 a.m. Bible study with him for a week. <laughs> and so for a week, I had to wake up and walk through this uh, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Bible study with my father wow. for a week. And he did it that because he knew I love sports. Yeah. And so he, he related it to where I was at in my life. That That's way awesome. I'd be uh, and, and 
I remember even today, like really enjoying that. I was mad at the time uh, that I had to do this with my dad. Uh, but I, mm. at the end of that week, I really enjoyed that time with my father and him speaking in and him knowing that he took it, the time to, to research this, print this off. He thought about me. And then also I didn't realize at the time, like he was, he was shaping me and yeah, growing me good. into what matters. And then awesome. one more story about him too, as a father, the way he punished us kids, he never got mad in the moment, which I don't know why I didn't get that from him, <laughs> but he never got mad in the moment. He would send us to his room and then he would take about 10 minutes to cool off whatever mm -hmm. he was upset about. And then he'd come in with a Bible and he'd sit by us on the edge of the bed with, but this is every single wow. time now. Okay. So he was consistent about it. He'd sit next to us. He'd read us the passage from the Bible. He'd go over what we just did. And then he would tell us he loved us. And then we had to pull down our pants, lean over his knee, and he swatted us with the belt. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I saw. Like he he was Man. speaking into us as he was punishing us in wow. the moment. And so wow. that's just what I grew up with. Yeah. I mean, it was a godly figure that was developing leaders, but doing it in Christ. Wow. I just got to say, Incredible. Isaac and Eli, you always listen to my podcast. And I apologize. <laughs> Coach Mills, way better mm. dad than me. No, was, uh, yeah. I get mad in the moment, but I love you. And mm. God's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just the thought of, and I said that a moment ago, it's just such a blessing. You know, and I know yeah. that everyone listening to this didn't have that same blessing. You know, there's a lot of men listening to us um, that maybe didn't have that mm. example of a godly father and maybe didn't have a father around at all, you know, yeah. maybe had an absent father. And uh, I just want to challenge you if you're listening to us today, you know, uh, be the father you never had. Mm, you don't have to good. continue the cycle. You don't have to continue just because you didn't experience something. You can be that uh, to your children. And so I know, I know Bo is that, and uh, I know Barry and I strive to be that, that, you know, one of the greatest adventures, greatest roles that we have is to, um, to be the dads that God's called us to be. So super grateful for that and just that relationship and just kind of witnessing, um, you know, the relationship between you and your dad. But, you know, as you grew and, and got through the high school years, you kind of began your own journey in, in baseball world and uh, went to the next level. Yeah, I did. I uh, got a full ride scholarship and played at Fresno State for two years. All right. Uh, is that the bull? What is that the what's the bulldogs? bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a bulldog. My freshman year uh, was leading the nation back and forth with actually a full Florida guy out here, Matt Laporta. Okay, went to the University of Florida, and we were back and forth in the nation in home runs. Uh, so that was my freshman year. At, at, played really well. I think I was freshman All American. What position? Uh, third base. Third base. There at Fresno State. Yeah, and so. Um, anyway, very successful, and then started really screwing up in life. I. I one thing about me, I never went to parties or did anything in high school. And then once I went to college, I kind of jacked around a little bit and screwed my life up. Uh, and so started getting to that lifestyle. And by sophomore year, uh, I uh, was drawn to that over school. So mm. I didn't go to class at all. <laughs> and uh, But was still really successful on the field, which was wild. So um, when I step over those lines, I could crush the ball. And then I stepped off those lines and my life was a mess. Wow. Um, God gave me that ability just to like, it was, it's a bad ability, <laughs> but to like, like focus, I could go on no sleep coming off a party and go three for three with two home runs and then step off the field and go do it again. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was bad cause I got away with it. Um, and then at the end of my sophomore year, I got caught, obviously. The report cards come out and they're like, dude, you haven't gone to class. What are you doing? Oh, man. And so they reprimanded me, said you had to, go to summer school, you're not gonna play in the fall. And so we had to make a decision there. And uh, we found this little school in Idaho. So I spent my 
uh, junior year at Lewis and Clark State in Idaho. It was the best thing for me. Uh, I had a, a coach, probably one of the best coaches in history in, in AIA, mm. Ed Chef. You can look him up. Unbelievable. He's won many, many, many World Series over there. But literally, he treated me like a child, and that's what I needed in that time. He was hard on me, wow. but I knew he was for me. He made me go to every single class, and I'd have the teacher sign off on wow. that I was there to even practice every yeah. single day. But it's what I needed in that time. Yeah. And so really su- successful there. Tore it up. Uh, they call it video game numbers there. And then I was drafted that year in 2007 by the Cleveland Indians. First pick overall for their organization's 13th in the draft. Wow. Uh, so what that, year was that? Bro? That was 2007. So that was 2007 and uh, went right into pro ball, started my career. Uh, again, just God bless me with natural ability uh, in baseball. My first full year in pro ball, I was the organizational player of the year, uh, minor league player of the year in baseball. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, just getting accolades and just moving up, moving up really quick. And I spent uh, seven years with that organization uh, worked my way up, uh, back and forth, played in AAA for two years. Uh, and then uh, we were pregnant with our second child, James, who I mentioned earlier, who's 10 today. And for some reason that time, I mean, I got a lot of stories I can talk about baseball. I know we're limited on time, but know that uh, I had a very successful career. Uh, but in that time, we were about to have, he was born in March. And spring training starts in February. And it just hit me. Like, I didn't wasn't planning on walking away from the game, wasn't hurt, wasn't washed up uh, of how much I missed my dad growing mm-hmm. up. Like, he didn't get – he saw me play a handful of games wow. uh, in my life. Um, and it, that's nothing on him. Yeah. It's just what the game does to you. People don't realize that once you leave for baseball February 7th, you do not come home – until October. Wow. Like there's no days off. There's no, you don't just fly home and see your family. Wow. That doesn't happen. Wow. And so uh, it just hit me. And uh, I decided to walk away from the game then to spend time with the family and be in my kid's life. Yeah. Wow. You know, I think about you telling that story of, you know, switching to school and this coach, you know, uh, and just the discipline, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes, sometimes in our life, you know, the Bible talks about this. The Bible says that, uh, no discipline is, is pleasant in the moment. Mm-hmm. However, it's painful, but mm-hmm. it produces a, a life of righteousness. Right. And I love that passage because it's like, yeah, no one wants to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. No, no one yeah. wants to get, you know, reprimanded or, mm-hmm. or, or have to run sprints or suicide. Mm-hmm. No one wants that. But I always, I always tell my son, I said, you know, you know, you, you picture, you know, the world series and uh, the winning team of the world series and the, the news and the, the reporters are there and, and uh, no one on that field of who just won the World Series ever says, well, you know what? Spring training sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, no one's thinking about that that's in right. the moment because what it produced. That's right. Was this overwhelming feeling of joy. That's right. And that's true in our lives, you know, that's right. not just in the team. But, 100%. you know, there's areas of our life where, man, we need we need other men around us to, so good. to help us. And, See, and, and it's not pleasant, but it's going to pay off. Well, that's right. us as men, we always want to use the verse uh, iron sharpens iron. But we always think, like, we just need a dude in our life. No, you need a dude in your life that's rubbing you and and stretching you and working yourself out. Iron only sharpens iron when it causes sparks, right? Like, it's a wet stone that's rough. It's not soft. It's not a a sponge that you're rubbing a knife with and all of a sudden it gets uh, strong. So there, I mean, we had to chop wood. We had to go. It's funny. We had to chop wood. We had to load it in a truck. We had to deliver it to people. There was an L for... uh, Lewiston, Idaho on a hill. And if we got in trouble on the field, he'd make us run that hill, which wasn't, the hill wasn't like on campus. We had to run to the hill, up the hill, yeah, far. And then at Christmas time, 
uh, all fall, we'd be working out with, we'd go to the local boxing ring. No joke. We'd run from campus, run to a boxing ring. We'd box with local boxers. And then right before Christmas break, we had what was called the smoker. And he would line, he would, he would line us up at weight class and we'd box against each other. That's awesome. Yeah. And they filmed, it was a huge thing, but I mean, it was hard. Like it was, we won the world series that year as a team because of everything we went through as a team, it was hard. Yeah. Uh, but it was the best year of my That's life awesome. and it's exactly what I needed at that time in my how, life. How many L's did you run on average? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. It was, I personally didn't run that many. Uh, I think I might've ran two, but there were some guys that ran a lot. A lot. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. But isn't that true? The transfer to life, you know, now I think it's so much like, you know, as an athlete, there, there's so many disciplines and just like, you know, athletes in general who are receptive to coaches speaking into their life. Mm-hmm. I think, man, that just sets you up for success because so many guys that I know, they don't let anyone speak into their life. I don't want to hear it. They don't yeah. want to hear it. And so someone who who grew up playing sports and you're used to a coach getting in your face and you mm-hmm. know that coach is in my face because he wants me to be the best version he of cares I, I can me. be. Yep. And when you see that, now even in our life as as men, as husbands, as fathers, as pastors, as leaders, as businessmen, what whatever you're doing, and you have someone that's willing to speak truth into you, but you know they're not trying to tear you down. They're mm-hmm. trying to, to build you up. I think that, that means a whole lot, right? But, uh, you know, for you, Bo, kind of getting to this part of your story because you stepped away from baseball uh, to be with a family, which, man, I just think that's that's an incredible part of your story, yeah. you know? And I know that was not a... I mean, easy as in, you know, your family comes first, but mm-hmm. that's still a hard. No, it was the hardest thing still to date that I've had to decide to do. Yeah. Uh, is take that jersey off. I was one of those guys that, hey, they're going to have to rip this jersey off my body. I'm not a quitter. Uh, and to, to quote unquote quit, which, yeah. I, you know, I don't feel like I did, but sure. uh, I walked away. But uh, that was super hard. You that know, and hard. you always the what ifs want to creep in. Like, what if I would have stayed? What if I would have done this all the time? Hard things happen in life. You're like, well, what if mm-hmm. it would have changed the whole course yeah. of my, uh, where I'm at today. And this, wow. and this is where the story kind of makes a transition. Sure. Uh, this, this first major transition from you, from going from really growing up the son of a, a baseball coach and being, you know, like you said, you know, in the dugout and on the field as a childhood to playing baseball in college and professional yourself. And now, uh, t- totally changing gears mm-hmm. and chasing a new dream. Mm-hmm. And, and this was a dream that you had of, of having a ranch since a little boy, a, a ranch yeah. in Texas. And so tell us kind of, kind of a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, really, uh, so if you know me, I love to hunt and fish. Like I'm an outdoors guy. It's just what I love to do. And so baseball was a means to an end for me in my head. I grew up in the game. I've been around. I've been born and raised in a big league clubhouse. I knew all the guys. The big leagues wasn't the carrot in front of me. It was a ranch one day. Like, I just wanted my own ranch yeah. one day. Uh, I didn't know what that looked like. Like, in my mind, it was 25,000 acres in Montana <laughs> somewhere, and I could elk hunt and shoot mule deer yeah. and fish anytime I wanted. Uh, but this was an opportunity that I started getting into of bucking bulls in the bucking bull world. Uh, I bought a few when I didn't have a ranch and we competed in it. And it's just a world that uh, fascinated me. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, uh, lined right up with like an athlete, professional athlete, the way they raise them, the way they train them, the way they, and then you go compete. Uh, and so I got into that. And then, so at that point in my life, I was like, you know what? I could do this on my own. Like, let's, let's go buy a ranch, babe. And uh, yeah. train bucking bulls on our own and go compete. She's like, "What?" What? And it took about a year, and not a, I didn't even have to try that hard. And she's like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> yeah. And so we uh, we went and found this ranch out in Granbury, Texas. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll paint this picture at the end of our podcast. But 
looking back now, you just see how God's just orchestrated everything in my life. But this ranch was just perfect. It was a God thing on how we got it too. And yeah, we built that horse ranch up to be a, a unbelievable, uh, uh, breeding ground for a buck and bull ranch that yeah. did really well, really quick. It's yeah, called Red yeah. Laces Cattle Company. Red Laces. Uh, out there, and it was a, it had a covered arena, open arena. We trained them right there, and man, we had bulls. When when, when I sold that, we had bulls in the PBR. Uh, we had about 120 bulls on our place that we were training at the time, competing at all levels. See, people just see rodeos, and they just think that's rodeos. I never went to a rodeo ever. It was all bull competition, so it's just like horse racing but in the bull world right. and we'd go compete against 150 bulls at one time. And then the winner wins money. Yeah. You know, uh, my story growing up in coastal Florida, you know, bucking bull ranch was not something that was ever in my vocabulary. <laughs> and, uh, so my first trip out there to your ranch, I was just still trying to comprehend like, wait a minute, like I, I know rodeo, I see yeah, rodeo yeah. and bull riders, but this, this, for those of you who are kind of, uh, relating with me right now, this is like the other side of the coin. Mm. Bo had a ranch training bulls, mm -hmm. not the riders. <laughs> That's so right. Bo was training the bulls how to buck the yeah. riders That's right. off. And it was just this fascinating, like what in the world? I had no clue this even existed, but it's a whole, yeah. it's a whole industry, a whole world. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it was pretty cool to see you in your element there, yeah, you know, and awesome. a few, I don't remember who was with us, Barry, a couple so of our guys were with us, but, um, it was just it's like wow man this is this is really cool you know it's about the manliest thing you can do yeah. absolutely right no it's it's uh one of the most insane things i think you could do <laughs> we, honestly confession was we googled it if you remember that day i had no clue what we it was. were going we got invited <laughs> to the buck and bull ranch so we googled it i think jason actually googled it but we googled it to see what is a bucking What's bull? A bucking like, bull ring? We wanted to look like we knew. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it didn't work. I mean, yeah, it <laughs> they, didn't knew, work. they knew we did not know. Yeah, but, that's funny. But it was pretty cool. It was a beautiful place, right? Yeah. How many acres was that ranch? Yeah, it was 100 acres right 100 there. Acres. And then we had, but it overlooked about 350 acres with a hill behind us. It was just honestly the yeah. coolest place to raise our kids right there. For and, your, and your dad, and going back to going back to Brad, your dad, uh, your family was there yep. with you. Yep, so we bought our ranch in 2018. Uh, my dad was getting to the point of his career now where maybe thinking about retirement. When I said I was going to move out there, he said, I'm going to. They didn't right away. Uh, but then he said, the only way, my mom said the only way we're going out is if we live on Bo's ranch. And so ended up building a house on our place and they were literally i don't know 60 yards from us yeah. on our ranch right there so yeah. it's just a good it's time for cool. our kids uh and, and and make up some lost time right there being in each other's life every day out there absolutely awesome. yeah it was yeah. awesome yeah but there was there was a there was an event that happened on this and you know um bo this is part of the, your story that is is i'm sure uh extremely you know um influential mm -hmm. painful uh, life altering, all of these mm. things, but um, but the ranch plays into this mm. part of the story. Yeah, so uh, we just came off our man camp 2023 out of our church, and uh, I just spoke on First John 2:15, and that that verse is living of the world. And so, what I want to well, these listeners to know real fast before I go into this story is, uh, don't think I was just the most godly man in the world at this time of our life. Um, I had Jesus in my heart. I accepted him at eight years old. Uh, but as that verse says, you can live of the world and be separated from God. Uh, you have him. It's not a salvation thing, but it's an experience thing. So this point in my life, I've uh, been married, life's busy, uh, 
getting wrapped up in some other things with buddies I was hanging around. Just a tough time in our life. Uh, come to find out later, uh, my wife was dealing with alcoholism for five years. I had no clue as her husband that she was dealing with this. Uh, and in that time, on uh, February 17th, 2020, we were having a bunch of people over, having a crawfish boil out there in Texas. We were trying to officially become Texans by having a crawfish boil. <laughs> and uh, our son, I was just holding him. Uh, one of our cows just had a baby calf. And so I actually took him out on my lap on, on the mule and went and checked out if it was a, if it was a heifer or a bull. And I uh, came back, uh, set him down, and uh, my wife came out of the house about, I don't know, five minutes later asking where Bo Bear was. He was two years old at this time, just about to turn two. And I thought he was with them. She thought he was with me. It's one of those things that happens mm -hmm. real fast. And uh, so I yelled back at her, hey, he's in the house with you guys. All the kids went in the house. She goes, Bo, he's not in here. And so I went and looked in the shop real fast. Wasn't in there. He loved to go in there and play with the, the bull feed. That's where the bull feed was. And he would play with the grain. And he wasn't in there. And so she started walking over to my parents' house where my mom had just walked to make a phone call to my dad who had just left for spring training this year uh, in baseball. And I came out of that shop and as she was walking over there, I yelled at her to check the pool. And right behind my parents' house that they built on my ranch uh, was an old existing pool. It wasn't even a functioning pool. It was just a hole in the ground, basically. It looked like a pool, but it was overgrown with everything. We never got it going. Uh, and it had collected rainwater at the bottom. I don't know why my uh, thought even went to that because that wasn't even a thing in our life. Uh, the kids never went over. It wasn't a pool. It was just this hole in the ground. But for some reason, I walked out and yelled that to her. And so from about 100 yards away, um, I see my wife going towards the pool. And then I see her just take off sprinting and screaming. And she just ran off into that pool. And the next side I saw was her lifting my baby boy, almost two years old, up who had been in that pool, I don't know how long. And uh, that was just a moment in my life that mm. you see on movies, you hear about, uh, you never think you're going to experience in life. And so um, I want to say in that moment that I ran over there and I was just the most manly man at that time, uh, I was scared. Like, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. I froze. Uh, we had some military and some fire guys that were over, so they knew exactly what to do, and they took over right away and started doing CPR by the pool. And me and my wife uh, were just over in the dirt screaming and yelling at God and punching her fist into the ground. Uh, over the course of the next six hours, he was taken to hospitals, uh, medevaced into downtown Fort Worth, and uh, that's where uh, in the room um, – I put my hand on his chest and, and felt him take his last breath and at that time. And um, I lost my two-year-old son. Yeah. It's tragic, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, can't even, I can't even imagine I'm a dad of, I'm a dad of six kids and thinking of that, thinking of like that moment and being there and just the, the intensity. And like you're saying, just paralyzed, you know, paralyzed and like, man, God, what, what, why, why is this happening? What is going on? And, you know, just meeting you after that, you know, meeting mm -hmm. you after that event and and seeing the what God has done, his faithfulness, you know, in, in your life and your family's life and 
is just incredible. But like being taken back there when this story right now, it's like, wow, dude, this, mm. that's heavy stuff. You it, know? it was so heavy at the time. And then, like I said, my wife in the middle of that was dealing with alcoholism. So we have our son passing away, her dealing with this. And then me as a man. So if I'm talking to men out there, uh, but as a man, I still have a family I got to lead. I still have a, a huge business that we live on. And, uh, and I'm dealing with these other two situations. One very, I mean, probably one of the worst things anybody could go through losing a son. And then my wife, I've got to still be a man somehow. I've still got to lead. I've still got to, uh, so like looking back where we're at now, we'll get there in about a second, but it, it, God did the most amazing stuff in that time. Uh, I know this sounds super weird, but I'm almost thankful for that time in that period of my life. Like he was so real. He was so evident. I, I got to see my wife healed from alcoholism in a moment. Mm. Uh, I mean, literally a moment. It was uh, it was in prayer at Corpus Christi. We left there. She's never had a drink again. Wow. Uh, it's been almost it's over two years now. She's completely free. Uh, God has healed my heart like my heart was uh, uh, black hard mm. walls uh just anything like a man like i mean just think of where we've been at in life like totally tore down the walls of my life and my heart um i have forgiveness for people that i've never had before like i, I never forgave people i was hard at it i was hard with grace uh people that hurt me it was hard for me to interact with them anymore i just took it so personal god has just freed me from everything of that uh yeah, it was just so real in our life at that time. I'm, I'm, I'm almost mm. thankful because of how close we felt to the Lord yeah. in that time. And uh, there's moments in life where uh, I believe God intercedes uh, and it's our choice whether to press in in that time and draw close to him and allow him to do the work he uh, can do in a horrible situation or we run. Yeah. And it's a whole adverse effect of it and and satan coming on board yeah uh in that talk i talked at man camp i talked to men about you could almost be wearing the devil's jersey and starting pitching on his team against the, the, jesus's team mm -hmm. like he'll take you even though it's not a salvation thing you have him in your heart and he'll use you and so in that moment I'm, i just thank the lord that we were able to press in and draw close to him yeah. and allow him to do the work that he could do That's, only in that I mean, moment. I'm thinking of that, you know, that scripture, you know, that seems so counterculture, you know, and when, when when you read it or hear it, but you know, in James uh one, two, consider it pure joy when you face trials, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's you know, James is writing this letter to a group of Christians whose lives are being completely you know, persecuted and families being ripped apart and people being killed for their faith. And, and he's saying, Hey, consider it pure joy when you mm -hmm. face trials, because then he goes on to say, cause these trials are, they're going to produce things in your life, mm -hmm. you know, and this is really your story. It's, Bo. it's story. like this trial, no one would ever wish this on anyone, you know? Um, but if you choose to press in what, what God does is he takes these situations and these moments and he produces perseverance and yeah. character. And it says, uh, character, hope, and, and then really, you know, that he would mature us that we're not lacking anything, you know? And so it's like that process again, kind of back like the, you know, the passive, no discipline is pleasant in the moment. It's like, these are the, these are the things in life, you know? And I, uh, not near to that level, you know, not near to, to even close to what you went through. But, you know, as a 21 year old, when my, our, our dad was killed in a, a car accident, you know, and I think what you just said, said I relate to so much because I think so often like 
I don't know if I would have surrendered to the call mm-hmm. that God had on my life if my dad hadn't have been taken from us because mm-hmm. it completely changed my perspective mm-hmm. on life, mm-hmm. on the um, on the uh, uncertainty of life, and, uh, and 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 it changed my perspective and just this this really really urgency to to share the gospel, yeah, and to make sure people know you know, who Christ is. And so kind of the same thing, you know, like it was a tragedy that was a turning point in my life as well uh, in 2002 um, that really set me on a course, you know. And so that that you've been set on a course mm-hmm. from this moment um, in the loss of your son. Uh, obviously, the 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 healing and the redemption story in your wife and, and her story and in y'all's marriage and all that, but, but a real clear path too and journey of, um, of actually walking away uh, now from this from this life as a rancher, as a bucking bull rancher, and really and really committing full time to the work of ministry. Yeah, that's right. It's a that's a real quick wild story too. When I was ten years old at a big conference of about thirty five hundred people, a guy that was on stage called me out, told me to stand up and and prophesied over me that one day I would reach many many men for uh, the kingdom. And at 10 years old, I had no clue what he was talking about. And I was like, you're psycho. I'm a baseball player. That's all I know. Like I had no clue, you know, and I sat down. And uh, when this all happened, uh, a lady from back home who was there at that conference actually Facebook messaged me and she had written down that night what that guy had spoken over me and she messaged that to me. And she goes, you just remember this. You're going to do big things for the kingdom of God and what he's doing in you. And, uh, it just sent chills down my back because uh, even up until about a year and a half ago, if you would ask me if I would even think about ministry or even consider, I would say you're psycho. Like there's no way. I, that's just not for me. It's not, you know, and here I am now almost exactly a year, my first year in ministry, hmm. uh, the men's pastor over all campuses at Stonewater Church and loving every minute of it and, and God's filling me with visions of, of I, I came into it from visions from God. So I believe that's a different story, but of reaching many, many men uh, all across the nation. Yeah. And it's starting right there in Granbury. That's awesome. That's that incredible. Makes, yeah, excited to watch that play mm. out. Mm. That's a good deal, man. I think I think of vocational ministry too. And because, you know, that call to vocational ministry, you leaving a business a career to say, man, God, I'm, I'm going all in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just the, the impact that, you know, uh, your pastor, pastor Jeremy, mm-hmm. uh, is, is also my mentor and, uh, and pastors me in a way. And so we share that, you know, having him speak into our life and Jeremy and Joey white and Stonewater church and just grateful for them guys and, and watching them kind of, uh, just, just hold on to you and just, and, and just bring you alongside of them is, is such a, an incredible thing. And, you know, but whatever it is, whether it's vocational ministry, whether it's a rancher or a baseball player, an entrepreneur, military, first responder, uh, you know, at, at those of us who have placed our faith in, in the person of Jesus and are, are fully devoted followers of Christ, we're all called to be ministers. Yes. Right. Not not all called to be pastors, but we're all called to be ministers. And so there's there's a difference between those two of pastors of shepherding and leading the church, but ministers you know, what does that look like? And so one of the things that Barry and I are really passionate about and um, is, and, and I know this is true for you as you lead the men uh, at Stonewater and beyond is is helping them see the vision of, they're not all going to be pastors. That's mm-hmm. not what, we're not called all to be pastors, but we are all called uh, to be ministers in whatever realm, 
God's placed you in, you know, if it's, if it's on the the baseball diamond or if it's in the marketplace or wherever it's at. And I think it's so cool, you know, and this can intertwine so much, but thinking about, you know, your dad and the example he was like, he was living his life as a fully devoted follower of Christ Mm -hmm. as a baseball coach. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And so uh, really encouraging. And one of the things that that's probably one of the things I'm most passionate about is I, you know, talk and challenge men in my day-to-day life is helping them see like, listen, like this is God's called you. He's, he's uniquely wired you for exactly what you are doing, you know? And I think of that, you know, that you, you have what it takes. I love to tell men, you got what it takes because that's what we want to hear, right? Every man wants to hear that you got what it takes. And so you got what it takes to do exactly what God's called you to do. Oftentimes we feel like we don't have what it takes because we're trying to be someone else. That's right. But we got what it mm. takes to be exactly what God has called us to be. And Bo, you got what it takes. Yep. I believe be, that. Yeah. I so. believe that. Hey, I started this out by saying with an adventure, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. You guys heard my beginning. It was a rough story. It was an up and down story. Uh, but I had Jesus in my heart. I didn't know what that looked like. And now I'm right in the middle of it. You're getting to hear me mm-hmm. in the middle of it. Uh, I don't know going towards the end of my adventure what that looks like. But guys, I could tell you pressing into God and allowing him to use me where I'm at and allowing him to intercede in hard times of my life is been the greatest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Like he is real. His word is real and it is true. So if you're out there going through whatever you're going through and you don't quite understand what I'm saying, I just want to encourage you to press in, mm-hmm. believe good. his word. It's true. And yeah. I've seen it real in flesh. That's good. Bo, thanks so much, man. Not just for uh, coming out to Florida and getting with us, but thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for sharing those successes and those hard times. Um, I remember getting a text from Pastor Jeremy uh, praying for a family in his church who just lost their son. Mm. So before we ever got to meet the Mills, uh, we were praying on y'all's behalf. And then when I got to meet you, man, it's a friendship that I'm thankful for to this day. So, hey, thanks for coming out, man. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in uh, for Episode 5, Russell Brothers Podcast. We'll see you next time. Later. Later.